0: job, it could be your kids, it could be your spouse, it could be hobbies, it could be distractions that everyone has. But see, Jesus Christ knew in 2021, on this day, where things would be. He wasn't setting things in motion and just watching you drift. He knew what would be going on. All of those things I mentioned, any one of those or all of those could become a God. What you prioritize is your God. If it gets in front of your relationship with God, then it's in front of God. And I'm saying that very plainly because I feel like the devil, he has this playbook. And if we could glimpse into the playbook, we would see a few things. Back in Exodus 20, the first commandment of the 10 You shall have no other gods before me. In Deuteronomy 5, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind, an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for other gods. He says what he means. Another thing I learned in children's ministry is that when you say line up, whether it be for the bathroom, the playground, for pizza, that you get this. Don't know these kids, but this is a perfect snapshot of every line. You get a little girl in the middle who's trying to do everything that she was told. Behind her, you have utter chaos, breaking out, MMA. And then up here, you have six kids standing where one child's space should be. <laughs> this is how it can look inside your spirit. This is how things can be. What the enemy wants more than anything is he wants you to lose track of who the leader is. He wants you to lose track of who's in charge. What he doesn't want to do, we have this idea the devil wants to walk hand in hand with us to our destruction. No, what he wants to do is lead you to the trailhead and he wants to sit in the picnic pavilion and eat and watch you just go off and get lost. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't have time to hold everybody's hand. He just wants to see how bad we'll mess things up once we get off course when it comes to God. Anything can become a God to us. Pride will tell us that we can spot something that's counterfeit. As the devil slips us a $17 bill. We think we know, but we don't. We think we can spot it, but in ourself, we can't spot it. There was a movie, and it was not from the Left Behind series. It was called Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. And Ricky Bobby had a saying. If, put this saying up there. If you ain't first, you are last. That's messed up grammatically, and it doesn't make sense in the way that, like, if there's ten people competing, like, there are ten places. But, theologically speaking... If God is not first, he will end up last. If God is not placed first in something, then he's always going to end up in last place. What the enemy wants to do, if we were to look into his playbook, the first thing that he is trying to do in this day and age is he is trying to convince the chosen to place their feelings before their God. How does it look? It looks like the enemy leading you to a trailhead where you let your feelings dictate the amount of joy that's in your life at times. There are situations that I have been in that have been pretty dark. But what I know is that my God hasn't changed. There have been places that I would rather not have been that I had led myself that I know that God's joy is what I need to speak. Second thing the enemy would want you to do is to let your feelings dictate your God experience. For those of you who've been in church for a while, you would say, well, I know that Psalm 100 says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to enter his courts with praise, but, but, I know that some of us have heard 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks because that's God's will for me. But, But he understands right now, like what I'm going through, that I just can't give him what he deserves. We need to frame it up the way that it is. We have a world around us that may encourage that. But before long, if we follow that path, then our feelings become our God. They'll control us in every situation. And the one true God will be in last place in that line. He'll be looking around like, what are you doing? You know I'm supposed to be in first. You said I was the line leader, but look what's going on in front of us. Every day we bow down to something. It's either God or something else. There's no gray area. There is no playing around. And God wants us to choose him first. To speak life first. Before we say, yeah, but. He wants us to be the one when it's dark to begin to light the room up. How do you do that? You say the words that your father has said. Psalm 119.5. Because when we begin to speak those words, then the dark places begin to light up. Oh, it may not be floodlights, but it's more light in a situation at times. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Most days, like if God's army was the Marine Corps, I would be like the Gomer pile of God's Marine Corps. I don't feel like an overcomer. I don't feel like more than a conqueror. But do you know what I do? I speak the word. I speak the word because when that word was spoken, it was powerful. And every time it's repeated, it's just as powerful. And we need to put that out there because there's nothing more beautiful for the creator than to hear his creation echoing those things that he has spoken. When I get down, I start to think of those stories that I was taught ever since I was a little child. And I I look at those names in the Bible and know that it's not just these fairy tales, but they're real people who went through real things. And knowing when their back was up against the wall, they spoke life. Knowing that when things didn't go the way they thought it should go, that they began to press in in a way that others may not have. Proverbs 18.21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue, my tongue. What comes out of here is speaking, it's a prayer, it is things, we are looking at something and we're saying either God is bigger than or I'm going to look at the negative. What comes out of here matters and what comes out of here is something that we need to check. God says, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. It's time to go full send. It's time in situations to just be that one. Like, what would it hurt for you to be around the water cooler and just blurt out a scripture when things are going bad? When they come, like, well, they're going to be making cutbacks. And you're like, well, get me a box. I'm going to pack my stapler. Or are you going to be, like, in the name of Jesus? I remember when Alan said they were cutting back at that place. And I don't even know what percentage of workers he came down to, but it was like nothing. It was like point something. And he said, God gave me this job, and God will take this job. What was it, two people standing in the place when it was over, and one of them was Alan? God has your back, but speak life from the beginning. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. Who wants to see good days? See, you don't play for the devil's team any longer. You owe him no allegiance, and so there's no need being free advertising for him. When you speak God's truth, it fills the air. I may feel bad. My circumstance may say that it looks bad. But that's not the truth. The truth is what God says. The truth is what God says in this moment. And I say that to every person sitting in here because everyone has this thing where you're like, I know God, but. And he said, take that and place it before me as well. Romans 4.21, being fully assured that what God has promised, he is able to perform. He is able. What promises have been whispered to you? What things do you know that you know in your heart that when the hard times come, you put those back because it sounds crazy for you to still keep believing that when it looks dark? Speak that life. First Timothy 1.12, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. I've given him this, Bernice. I've given him this heart, and he's able to guard it, and he's not going to let anybody get near it, and he's got my best interest at heart when I am following him. I think of things, and I'm going to tell you a story here in a minute because I always have one. But I think of this scripture when I was reading it today, and it hit me hard. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. Just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, it starts out. My gosh, I've been entrusted with it. Do you know how the gospel was spread during the earliest times? Word of mouth. Not from this website or that book, that podcast. I mean, that's cool and all, but I'm saying direct word of mouth between people. It's time for us as Christians to get back to a place where the thing we've been entrusted with that we open our mouth and we carry out what God has set us to do. It's time to begin to say it when it's not comfortable. It's time to begin to be the one to break the ice with the fact that this gospel, this good news is what saves people from an eternity away from God's presence. Sin is sin. Hell is hot, and it's time for us to take this good news in the way that we have been deputized to take it. There's circumstance, and there's truth. First, we talked about the devil's playbook being feelings. Do you know what the second thing that he's going to go after? He's going to go after something that we could call humanism. I know that sounds crazy, but pretty much humanism, if you were to break it down, it means not wanting God and his truth to interfere with my life and my routine. That's what it is. In any circumstance, it's putting it through a filter of how it works for me before I figure how it works for God. There's an epidemic of selfishness in the world. It's created all kinds of unhealthy situations. And something you need to understand is that compromise is never an isolated event. If you compromise here, you're going to compromise there. You need to know what you stand for in Jesus Christ and stick with it. I remember when we had been married a few years, and we needed a dependable vehicle. And I remember we went to a Volkswagen lot, and there was a silver Volkswagen Jetta. I loved that Jetta. And I remember I thought, we cannot afford that Jetta. And I looked in the paper, and some lot in Parma was running this special. And I showed Dina, like a little kid would show someone, like, hey, did you happen to see they have a special on Jettas down at this lot? So we prayed, and we agreed on this figure. We felt comfortable with it. So we go to this lot, and I drove the Jetta. You know, Dina's like, well, what do you think? And I'm just like, oh, gosh. So we sit down with this salesman, and the salesman writes out figures, how they do. It's going to be a lease. We live close to the church. We figured it would be great. We wouldn't go over miles. He comes back with this figure. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, I prayed about it. It's going to be that figure right on the head. It was not that figure right on the head. And the salesman's like, bottom line, out the door, best I can do. Oh, that's uncomfortable. And so I'm thinking, is my wife going to be mad that I drove her all the way down here and I'm not going to get this car? Because it wasn't too much over. But, I mean, it was, but... So we go decide to, to talk, and he's got to think we're crazy, right? Because it's a yes or no answer. Like, what can you talk about? You are either getting it or not. And I came back and I remember sitting down and I said, "Sir, I just started working at a church full time, and I work for God, so I think it's His money. And I prayed about a figure, and that's not the figure. And so I am going to write the figure down and slide it across because you know that's what they do. <laughs> and so he goes to the sales manager. Looking like, okay, crazy. The guy's crazy, right? He goes to the sales manager and comes back, and he said he accepted it. So I drove out of there that day thinking, you know, you can compromise when you want something. And it may not seem like too much of a stretch, but I promise you, when it comes to things in the spiritual, if you step out of bounds in your own thinking, thinking, I got this, I, then what you've just done is you've told God, I don't need you. I need him. Whether it was for that little silver Jetta, whether it's for the strength to get through the day, whether it's the grace to overcome what I may face, I need him in every circumstance. Don't compromise. I had another story that I wanted to tell you about. Good, that slide of the cowhide, Jaden. There was a man, he lived in another country. He had lost his job, lost his livelihood. And so he went to work for a local farmer. He was making just barely enough for his family to get by. And so the farmer had seen how. Hard he had worked, and he had given him a cow as a bonus. It's a blessing to you and your family. And so the man had this idea because he was generous. And he said, I am going to have a feast. And so he built a big fire and he put that cow on whatever you put cows on over a fire to cook them. And he told his daughter, while I'm cooking this, I would like you to go and get family and friends, gather them together for this feast. And so the daughter went out and their house was away from the others in the village. And as she walked away, you could see the smoke in the background. And as she walked down the street, she said, can you come to our house? Please come to our house and help put out the fire. And all the family and friends looked and saw the smoke, and had other things to do. But there was this ragtag bunch of humble people that came along. And so when they get back to the gate of the house, the father asked the daughter, I thought you were going to get family and friends. And she said they were too busy to come. But these people answered the call. And I look at a church, and I think this, that God has given opportunity. It's not going to look like an invitation on gold leaf that's sent to you to do the things he has called you to do. It may sound like you're busy, but I need you to step out and do this. And it's going to be where the blessing is behind. I'm telling you that we get so used to things being hand-fed spiritually. Yeah, I I have this heart to help people. Well, you know what? Next Saturday, mm, Saturdays aren't good. Don't mistake what you think is the right thing for God's idea of the right thing. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. I like that it starts out with but. Because we were saying before, when every statement we make, I know what God says, but. I like how this picks up, but says, but. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things. Everything that you're running around crazy about, it's in all. Everything that you're troubled about that you don't think God has covered, it's in all. I wasn't created to worship myself. I wasn't created to solve my problems on my own. I wasn't created to see my Redeemer through the filter of self. And God checked me. And what I say, I'm about to say in love, because it hits me harder than anyone. The enemy has tricked some of us here into a stance that seems like righteousness. But at the heart of it, we've simply traded destiny for idols. Because we look where we were and how far we've come, but we don't know how far God wants to take us. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't want my heart to become the thief that steals the best things of God. I don't want my mouth to become the thief that speaks death before life even has a chance to spring up. I don't want to give place to the devil because the truth is that God made you for life and life more abundantly. What's that look like, the mental picture to me? It looks like that half a bushel box from the peach truck that I got from the mall. And when it came to our house, it's funny because here's my wife, and she's like, Well, I'm gonna give some of these to my sister, and I'm gonna give some of these to the neighbor, and I'm gonna give some of these. I walk in the other day, and there's Ukrainian guys that are painting my basement. I don't speak Ukrainian very much, and they don't speak English very much, and you know what? They had peach juice dripping down their arms, and they're looking at me, they're eating them too. Abundance. It was a place of abundance. God wants you with the things He's given you to start passing it out, pass it around. You can't eat a whole half bushel of peaches by yourself. Well, you could, but intestinally, that won't work out well. Pass it around. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. I'm going to close. I think of this. It's amazing to think that when Solomon was granted that wisdom, you know, you just wonder, like, what would you wish for? And I look at David in Psalm 27, and he pretty much speaks it out. One thing I ask from the Lord, and only this do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. You know, when I talked about the line with kids, there are times that you can feel outnumbered by children. Most of them are almost taller than me, so it really applies. But there would come a point when there was total bedlam going on in the line where you would realize the authority you'd been given, and you'd be like, uh, No, whatever's going on up here, Joey's first in line. Remember, we said that. Someone spiritually needs to remind whatever's going on in the line that God was first. God was first stop all this nonsense, back up, hands off each other, God's first. David, who could have had anything, a man after God's own heart, if I can just be in his house, if I can just look at him, that's the goal. That's what it's about. And so today, I just want you to stand. We're going to pray. This walk is all about transformation. If anyone knew the old you, and they know the you that walks now, would they know the power of transformation? I meet people all the time. I would take kids to Winterfest, and they'd be like, oh, Bob, what are you doing now? And I'm like, sit down. You're not going to believe this. And they're like, what? I usually start out with saying, well, I became Christian, and now I'm a pastor. <laughs> and these are people I knew from a Christian college, so I should put that in. It's about transformation. Let's pray. And this week, don't keep your mouth shut about Jesus. Today, you just heard people giving testimonies that were real. Don't keep your mouth shut about it. Fill the air with it, because that's why he put us here. Let's pray. Father, right now, remind us of who we are in you. The chaos that seems to be going on, everything competing for our attention, you're the line leader. God, I pray that the chaos, the noise that everything else is going on, that it would cease. And Lord, I pray that your voice would be so clear this week. I thank you personally, Father, for what you have done here today. And Lord, I pray that people would get sick of hearing about it this week because that's all I'm going to be talking about in Jesus' name.